Welcome to the Questionable to Return podcast, where three lifelong friends discuss Wisconsin sports and more. Now, here's your hosts, Andy, Mike, and Pete. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Questionable to Return podcast. As always, I'm Andy with my buddies, Mike. Hi, everybody. And Pete. <laughs> hey, howdy, hi. You can do it. There you go. <laughs> there you go, big guy. <laughs> You guys are mean. <laughs> so this is our this is our second attempt at this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The problem is, is I had some dental work done, <laughs> <laughs> so I may sound a little weird every once in a while. But hey, he can only talk out of the right side of his mouth. Yeah, pretty pretty epic. I'm here. It is it is kind of funny <laughs> when, you, when you when you laugh, Pete. Only half of your face laughs. <laughs>, laughs. Between that and then watching him try to take a drink of water, it's like I look like a ninja turtle. <laughs> he, and I <laughs> that's where their boss is. <laughs> I only right. I only laugh because I have been there before. I have had a ton of dental work done in my life. I've had eight teeth pulled. This is oh, a little man. Four adult and four baby. I had to have the back ones full. I actually have too small of a mouth to fit all my teeth. There's some word for it, but I don't need a hashtag or, or, or a ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I remember when I had my four adult teeth pulled, I was so shot up with Novocaine and I couldn't eat anything. So my, my mom got me like pudding <laughs> and I was trying to eat it and I didn't realize. She came in and just started laughing hysterically. I looked in the mirror and it was just all over my face. <laughs> We're right back to like... Toddler baby, yeah, baby eating over there. I don't remember how old you I look was. Like exactly. a Augustus, Augustus from Charlie <laughs> oh, and the Chocolate yeah. Factory. Yeah, chocolate just all over. <laughs> yeah, so oh. just uh, bear with me. <laughs> no, you're doing fine. <laughs> we just, we, we, just can't, we just can't look at him because he's gonna start laughing yeah. mid discussion. Yeah, no, it's all good. Well, thank you guys for coming back and trying this again. Yeah, the. Skynet erased our episode. My biggest fear is AI becoming self-aware and intelligent, and I think that's what they did. Just shut down the podcast. All right, everybody. We have another giveaway. It's a Giannis Funko Pop. We're looking for what is your game day ritual, superstition. Um, It can be if you played and you had a certain way you did things before and at bat or before the game, or if you wore a certain thing, if you eat a certain thing during a game, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, send them in questionablereturn.com slash giveaway should be up pretty soon. You can submit those until the end of May and then we will do a drawing, random drawing. And it can also be what you do as a fan for your ritual. Right. Yeah. Do you wear a certain th- lucky jersey, meet with certain people? Not wash your underwear. You know, normal stuff. Oh, you, guys wear, cons- you guys wear underwear? <laughs> <laughs> Some people consider that lucky, I guess, but to guess. each their own. Right, no. So, yeah, yeah, send them away. We, there's got to be some really good ones out there. We'll share ours in the next couple couple weeks, I would think. Sure. Um, we all have certain things we like to do a certain way. Shop, yeah. shop, Shop for certain things and sit in certain ways and 
especially especially as a kid. Pete's struggling with the <laughs> sound right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get it. It'll be good. Yeah, so hopefully by the time this episode or you're listening to this, it'll be it'll be up. So and send him away. And Pete did tease that uh, he's going to make a commercial with his son, the director. So that'll yeah. come out when you're thinking within the next week or so. I would hope the next week. Yeah, we can't rush excellence, but we want to make sure we get the... Yeah, the we, site up. So if we don't get it done this weekend, we do have spring spring break. <laughs> that is pretty hard. <laughs> we do. He does have spring break. <laughs> he does have break <laughs> coming up. So uh, yeah, school holiday we'll call it. You know how when you get this done, you're so conscious and you don't want to talk to anybody. And I'm like, this is like a nightmare for me. <laughs> to have your I like want to cover my mouth when I can't because the microphone. Well, well, we don't care it's just a matter of how well can you get it out for the podcast i can't look at you guys without <laughs> laughing because i know you're looking at me because i look like a dummy <laughs> so anyway questionablereturn.com slash giveaway today so after the last time we talked we have a final four set Auburn, Virginia, Texas Tech, and Michigan State. What's odd about this is none of the none of the big programs, none of the Blue Bloods actually made it through. No. No Duke, no Kentucky. Good. North Carolina's gone. Yeah. I don't want to see those teams. It's like watching the Patriots every year. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. I do enjoy seeing those teams lose in March. But at a certain point, you still want some someone decent for the title game. I know I know one I know one organization that really wants one of those teams to get through CBS CBS is not looking forward to I don't think I mean I think they're praying that at least you get a Virginia what Michigan State probably is yeah. the most ideal candidate that would have the that would have the best storylines you'd obviously have Izzo who's just a machine when it comes to this tournament runs he game plans for every team so well I think it, the amount of final fours he has is it eight I think I heard he's up to, which is incredible. Yeah. I'm surprised they don't have more titles under him. But uh, Virginia's interesting. Uh, you get a lot of the storyline of dad and son. They show mm-hmm. Dick Bennett every game. So those are the teams that that uh, yeah, they'd be hoping for. Auburn and Texas Tech are good. It's a good story when they make a run. But yeah, CBS would be hoping at a certain point that run ends. You still want a big-time championship game. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because you have those two teams, but they're not really Cinderella's. Like, it's not like a, whatever, Gonzaga back in the day, I guess, yeah. so to say. It's not really a Cinderella where you're going to have those people like us, like people who don't have like a rooting interest who are really interested in, in watching this team like do really good. So I, I'm not saying that I'm not rooting for Auburn or Tech, whatever, but they're not just a sexy Cinderella, I guess. What's weird is like I, those teams came out of nowhere. I remember, I just don't recall thinking that they would even get this far. So I mean, it was kind of interesting to be like, oh my. I know. My yeah, even with Texas Tech being a three seed, uh, I was paying attention just how some of the conference tournaments played out, and I think they lost their first game to West Virginia in their conference tournament. So it almost kind of threw me off the scent that they were good. I mean. We we talked. It was hard to pick a like maybe ninth best team in right. the country outside of the top two seeds. Who was the best team? And 
Auburn as a as a five, Texas Tech as a three. They were yeah, they were Auburn legit. Auburn had some really good wins though on the season. They did. So they kind of had that sneaky sneakiness about them, I guess. That would they were a five seed, but a but a lower five seed, I guess. Maybe they should have been a three, but um, but yeah, you beat UNC by double digits. I believe they beat Kentucky by double digits. So right. you beat the, those two teams, you're looking pretty good. So I don't think you should. We should be disappointed if they make yeah. the championship game. And like you said, they're. It's not like these are some mid majors that made the final four. It's not like the year you had like George Mason or VCU, right, or yeah. Butler. These yeah. are these are big conference teams who have quality wins going into the tournament so but yeah I, I think we're all rooting for Bennett right I would I would my, I am I mean my vote bit. my wallet's rooting for Virginia to yeah. win it all so yeah I mean go Bennett's so one interesting thing was coming off of that immediately after the loss to Auburn Kentucky signs Calipari to what is being quoted as a lifetime contract I can't remember ever hearing this in sports was there another time that someone got a lifetime contract? I'm yeah. sure there has been, but I can't remember whatever. Because it was rumors that UCLA had offered him a six-year, $48 million deal to come go to L.A. or the West Coast, and that kind of prompted Kentucky to extend his current one, um, which went through 2024 anyway, which reportedly pays him about 9.2 with some incentives that are kind of undisclosed to keep him in uh, Kentucky. He's already the highest paid coach. Mm-hmm. Now they extended him for a 10-year deal that also um, is guaranteed him to have a paid ambassador role post-coaching whenever he decides to retire. So he'll stay on the on the payroll for ever. He's got a good thing going then. It is funny that every offseason he is rumored to some other school trying to, to get him to pull him away from Kentucky and it's just never happened Kentucky doing everything they can right. to make it worth his while to just stay there so in his, he's in his 10th season with Kentucky he has a 305 and 71 record four final four appearances and one national championship after his constant need to be compared to the echelon of the Dean Smiths of the world and um those guys, he wanted to go to a blue blood school after having success with Camby and UMass and making putting them on the map. Um, always be on the verge of leaving a team before controversy strikes. Yeah. He did that, went to Memphis, Memphis and then Derrick Rose. Yeah, yeah, Memphis and immediately going on um, has a love affair with his players. Players love him. He's really embraced like the the one and done type of mentality. Really, is a rooting um, voice in, in their in their camp, saying, "Well, what do you expect these kids to do?" Yeah, he. Uh, we saw from the thirty for thirty, he pushes the kids to go to the NBA if he thinks they're ready. Even sometimes, if they're having a hard time making that decision, he'll tell them, "You know, you're ready. Go to the NBA. You came here to well, play it, for the year." I can kind of see it on, on one side. It's like, why would you stay? I mean, you're you're guaranteed a full million dollars worth of contract, multi million dollar contract. There's no incentive to really stay in school because I mean, if, if school is really the the thing you're gonna go back to, you can always do that if you if you really want to. Yeah. But if you're gonna get guaranteed contract coming out of that, like there's no point in staying. So he really embraced that and had had good teams. But do you think he's worthy of the lifetime contract number one? And do you think he should be the highest paid coach in college basketball? I, I don't think anybody deserves a lifetime contract. Yeah. So you're with Stephen A. Smith on that one. That's his big hot take. Oh man, now I feel like. 
maybe he does deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you take a look at all the landscape of coaches right now, do you pay Coach K more? Does Izzo get paid? Do you think he deserves to get paid more? What Calipari does is he recruits so well. He always has these top talent kids, but uh, you know, Coach K's had more success uh, in terms of national championships. I don't know. We'll see, one, how much longer Coach K does it, but uh, these one-and-done teams don't seem to win the national championship that often. As you pointed out, Coach K, or, uh, Calipari got one title using this system. Mm-hmm. Now Duke's switching over to it. I don't know it's, if a team... I feel like the only way to really get to a national championship, and Duke usually did a pretty good job of it, is having like a mixture. Like yeah. you have you have a, a group of maybe a couple really good, the one and done players, the, the entry level people coming in, but then you have to kind of mesh them with your more senior level players. Like Duke had Grayson Allen and some of the others, or you have a JJ Redick or like a positional or role type player, the one that can score. And that was kind of Duke's big problem is they had the big three guys that were all power forward or better that like I can score off the ball type of thing, but no real shooters. And that kind of burned them as they got later in the tournament and these teams that can, that can run and gun and, and have a more gelled team and a well-rounded um, skill set. They kind of are beating these teams and play decent defense. And yeah, Duke basically threw, you know, three of the best players out there, but they all were the same. They're all six, seven attack the basket guys who can't shoot that well. So you might have a ton of talent, but not necessarily a good team. And, yeah, I guess I oh, I almost forgot blocking it out of my memory. The Duke team that beat Wisconsin did have some one-and-done guys on there. Well, yeah, if, if you do look at it, I guess he is maybe the only one that does deserve a lifetime contract if you're going to hand out one. He has more Final Four appearances than uh, – Shishovsky and 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 Izzo. So, um, I guess if 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 he's gonna get it, he would be the one. Well, what's crazy is like I think he's the first one probably to get it actually in a quote unquote contract. But Coach K is not going anywhere. You don't like he's never gonna leave Duke, and if he's gonna leave Duke, he's gonna retire and, and go on his merry way. And like Izzo is not gonna leave Michigan State. Like yeah, that's where he's true. Gonna yeah. stay. I guess why does it have to be announced? Yeah. Then like those yeah those guys get to leave on their own terms and yeah so. Like Bayheim has been in Syracuse for forever. Talking about defense, let's go to the NBA. Was that a good trans? That was the transition we used yesterday. Okay. Did just, that work? Yeah, just do it again. Okay. <laughs> um, Westbrook, 20 points, 20 rebounds, 21 assists. We kind of have to talk about this. I know it was a couple days ago. But to be guy, fair to the Lakers, it was a LeBronless. Yeah, LeBron did, Rondo, did Rondo even play? I don't know who played that game, honestly. And he did this. He dedicated the game to uh, his yeah. friend, a rapper who was killed. It, uh, Nip- Nipsey Hustle. Yeah, okay. Nipsey Hustle, yeah. What was interesting, though, is uh, <laughs> uh, Billy Donovan tried to take him out of the game when he was at 18 rebounds, and he just said, no, I'm good. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> Hold my beer. Yeah, he told uh, Hamadou Diallo, like, when he came in, tried to come in for Westbrook, just pointed at the bench and said, no, we don't need you. We don't need to make a substitution. So 
he was really uh, dead set on getting the 20 rebounds and the bench went crazy when he did get. So they were they were paying attention. They were stat counting there. So yeah, it's only been done one other time. So that's why it's pretty that's why we bring it up cuz it's pretty it's pretty an, impressive. It's an insane line to see when you read the box score. It almost doesn't seem real. It seems like some video game number. Yeah. It was like a Wilt Chamberlain or a Abdul Jabbar type stat line. Yeah, you don't see that in the modern era because who was it? Wilt? Was it was Wilt. Wilt yep. Wilt I think player. it was 1968. So. Oh, wasn't that a was a Find the Fiction? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we got that Find the Fiction. Oh yeah. Done with before this came up because now I remember. Oh, that'd be a lie. <laughs> so yeah, I it as as the pundits out there start discussing Harden versus. Giannis in MVP talks. It seems like it's only that those two. It's really interesting to me is that Westbrook. I know his points are down to like twenty twenty four ish, I believe. And when he won the MVP and got the triple double um, through the season, it was at thirty one points per game. So maybe that's why he's not being discussed. And how their run, they're kind of the eight seed now. They've kind of fell off a little bit or seven seed. Um, so, but he's still. <laughs> on pace to yeah. average a triple-double again. This will be the third straight year. I forgot that he did it last year. Again, yeah, so. it was like it was such a big deal a couple of years ago, and now it barely gets talked it's like, about. Uh, triple-doubles, who cares? <laughs> Devil's advocate piece to it. Like, the team used to, and I don't know if they did it in this game too, but they used to, like, purposely box out and leave it open for him to go get get the rebound to, to kind of keep up with that. Yeah, there would be times you'd watch, like, Steven Adams just, like, let a rebound fall so Russ could grab it. And yeah. with Westbrook's points being down too, uh, Paul George is actually second in the NBA in scoring, so it makes sense that he's he's taken on some of that where Westbrook isn't trying to score on his own. Like I'm, I'm sure was. I'm sure George will get some votes for MVP because his name's been out been out there for sure. But based off their run the last you know month or so, they've kind of been down. So yeah, they fell after the, the shoulder injury. Yeah. Working on a bad shoulder. They haven't officially said what's wrong with him, but... He's got the cozy shoulder. <laughs> oh, no. Bad shoulder. I believe we call it the cozy-itis. Is that the... Cozy kink? Bad cozy kink. Cozy kink. <laughs> yeah. Bad shoulder. See, no, you're not a hypochondriac. You're, you're, you got illnesses. Illnesses named after you. Yeah. You're, NBA players are ailing from the same same things. Yeah, there we go. All it's we a need technical is, term. All we need is Paul George to have a little dental work, and it'll be like Pete. <laughs> With uh, oh man, does Paul can Paul George drink Gatorade? One, what? Because every time Pete takes a drink, he can barely get it up to take actual drink of water. Would it help if we got you a straw or a funnel? <laughs> Maybe a funnel. Oh, I like okay. a funnel idea. Okay, that's a good idea. Do you want one like one of those beer hats with the two cup holders on the side? Oh, there we go. <laughs> Perfect. Like no, we'll put, well, the, the the right straw wouldn't work so well. <laughs> we'll put co- we'll put coffee in them for you. Oh, hot hot coffee just <laughs> dripping down my face. That sounds really like a Skull. great idea right now. All right, well that's why we talk this stuff out. Now burn. we know it's not a good idea. <laughs> burn his tongue and roof of his mouth. Hey, we're helping out the community right now. Do not drink hot coffee when you've had dental work. Man, that's your between P- the dental PSA. work and then the burns in his mouth. That would be an epic way to see. You wouldn't be able to talk at all. It'd be like, no, no, we would just get you a uh, text to talk for the podcast. <laughs> there we go. Hello. Hi, howdy. <laughs> Hi. Can we borrow 
the late can we borrow the late Stephen Hawking's contraption? Here we go. Yeah, yeah. I'll just type in on the side. So the Bucks are good. Bucks are uh, their magic magic number one. Amazing. The Raptors won their last game, so they Bucks didn't clinch the one seed yet. They but will. They will. They have to win one game, right? or the Raptors lose one. There's yeah, five, four games left. Five games left. Yeah, five. that four the, games. Big game against the Sixers. Yeah, four Sixers and then Sixers three home and, games. Well, big game versus Greg Monroe. Sixers signed Greg Monroe. His third team this year, I believe. Right. He's with the Raptors, the Celtics, and now, now he's with the Sixers. Interesting yeah. signing. I don't know. I don't know if that makes a difference for them at all. If there's one thing I know, Sixers need another big body. I think uh, <laughs> Joel Embiid and all those guys aren't enough. The, I think uh, teams re- have realized, though, the reason Monroe keeps having trouble sticking around is he is good at post-up offensively, but he's such a defensive liability. Oh, yeah. You can't have him trying to guard the rim against some of these guys. Like Giannis, Giannis would destroy him. And I loved Greg Monroe when he was on the ball. Oh, definitely. I was so excited when they got him for sure, but but he you definitely saw the the, the drop off and and how much Brook Lopez is better than Greg Monroe. How yeah. he defends that that rim very well. Like he may not get all the rebounds, but the tips the tips to like Giannis and he tips so many balls outside and and gets uh, I just, other people rebounds. So I just loved uh, Greg Monroe's attitude. He was kind of the enforcer. I like whenever there was like trouble. I think was it Delvadova? Someone had pushed him, and like Monroe just came running in and like to oh, defend yeah. him. Moose. And like, yeah, he's like the bodyguard for especially if you're like a smaller guard. But there's only room for one moose in Milwaukee. Definitely, Mike Moustakis. Moustakis. He had a rough weekend. Yeah, speaking of Mike Moustakis, he was freezing in Cincinnati. Yeah. Nope. Being from the West Coast, he was not ready for the the Midwest spring. Well, well the fans weren't ready either. They, very, very true. They did not show up to, especially that first game. The Brewers were getting better attendance than that in spring training. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cincinnati fans said "f you" to that. What, what is it? Eight thousand paid attendance, was, and even less that actually showed up to the to the stadium. Yeah, and I think for the actually, guy. I think that I oh, I just got an alert. AAF had more attendance than the Reds did over <laughs> those three games. So, and they, and they didn't make it. I thought you were going to say AF had more attendance today. For it, <laughs> There's no, no more games. No more games. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the Brewers, of course, swept uh, the Reds. They won 4-3, to 4-3, and one to nothing. Uh, what's your guys' thoughts about the pitching over the those three games? Because I thought it was pretty solid. Oops. Thank you, Peralta, for showing up for those eight innings, one run ball, especially in, on no a, run ball well, on a day yeah. when uh, some of the bullpen was unavailable. Hader had just thrown back to back nights. Uh, Claudio Junior Garrett pitched a lot, so it was the perfect time for someone to go yeah. eight innings. And Peralta looked fantastic. Oh no, bullpen! Don't worry, guys. I got this. Yeah, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> yeah, Manny Pineapple behind the. The dish was was great. He got the lone RBI. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but they, I was kind of disappointed he didn't get the complete game because the Brewers haven't had a complete game in a couple of years. They haven't had a complete game shutout since 2014, and 
This is the first time a pitcher's gone eight eight innings, two hits since Granky in 2012. So crazy. I kind of want that to happen this year. Did he get even a chance to go into the ninth? Well, Puig had he had a really long at bat with Puig. He had a chance because he was only at like eighty something pitches going into that inning, and he had a definite chance to go. But Puig, you know, he takes a lot of time and he labored big time. But he got him with a ball in the dirt, which was great. He yeah, just, yeah, it bounced. It, yeah, bounced. Yeah, by Puig the swung at a ball that bounced a foot in front of the plate. Hey, Vladimir Guerrero got a hit once during that. Got a home run. <laughs> got a home run once. Did he? Yes, he hit a home run. I think his son did the same thing. Oh, those Guerreros are the best. Man, they're great. It, by the end then of the eighth inning, Peralta was up to 100 pitches. So, yeah, that's why he didn't come out for the ninth. I think that's about probably where they'd like to cap some of these younger guys yeah. at this point in the season. Definitely. I think Council mentioned that they all are on pitch counts as in during games and season because how they progress in a major league like system wise for pitchers, they only go up about fifteen percent per year on total amount of pitches that they're gonna throw through the year. That's what I hear. So fifteen, ten percent. So so you're gonna see these guys be kind of limited at first. It might get frustrating for us because he, he may be going great, but uh you can't burn these guys out. Well we talk about the weather and if if it was only in the fifties, maybe forties, I don't know what it actually was a game time yesterday for them. It was probably maybe mid fifties. I mean, I don't think you want those guys going that long. Like, it's, it's so easy for arms to get stiffened up and that's where injuries happen. So, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a bad bad pull, and I I, I appreciate Council staying to the, to the routine, but like you said, it would have been cool to see him try to at least give him a shot, to give him the face the first batter, because what, what would happen if you got a quick outing? It would have been cool to see him get that shutout. Yeah, definitely. It's it's kind of weird also to see, like, three games against the Reds, and it was 4-3, 4-3, and one nothing because Cincinnati is a – is a hitter park for yeah, sure, and, it, and mm-hmm. one nothing like that does not happen a lot there at all. So I like a good great. old fashioned pitchers duel because the Reds had their their best young pitcher Castillo. I know they they made a bunch of veteran moves in terms of the pitching staff, but that Castillo is supposed to be their ace of the future. So seeing Peralta outduel him was nice, but Castillo only gave up one hit. Right? Oh yeah, but he uh, he did walk. A few guys. Oh, it was he, two hits, I think. Oh, no, Castillo was one hit. Yeah. Yes, sorry. And uh, he uh, he walked four, and he did also hit Moustakis with one. So he was putting some guys on base. But the maybe the weirdest stat from the game is the fact that Peralta got no ground ball outs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible. <laughs> Tonight, Most, he was, I think he was pitching them mostly high from what I remember, right? Um, and he was just just pitching fastballs, so that that probably results more in those those yeah. fly balls where but, you're not pitching changeups, you're not pitching breaking balls as much, so you're not going to top it. So I would imagine and, that's why. Yeah, and he got a lot of strikeouts. It's just amazing to see though a guy pitching get no ground balls, but only give up two hits. He just yeah. getting everyone to pop up, and his yeah. fastball looked great. It, oh, it yeah. looked he was like, hitting ninety five couple times he had a little more velocity he's they said uh he worked on it maybe changing the spin rate because uh the the knock on him was he was too reliant on his fastball he threw more fastballs than just about any other starting pitcher last year so they wanted him to maybe tweak some things and it worked yeah definitely he he has that aspect of he'll he'll have those games and then 
have like the the stinker like opening yeah. not opening day but his first start but it was nice to see him rebound kind of hope yeah. he be, he's a little bit more consistent for sure the brewers are what six and one right now they have a day mm-hmm. off they have the cubs coming in they have um five wins by one run only which is odd i like to see that i like to see you winning those close games because they they're the ones that matter at the end of the season as much as everybody wants to say oh it's early well you're gonna look back to april and say I'm glad we won one nothing. Yeah. So yeah, that's obviously it made a big difference last year. We we had that had that play on playing game. So um, these games matter as much as it, everybody wants to say it's early. I, these games matter to me for sure. Wow. In this kind of sounds like sounds like Pete works for the marketing department for the Brewers because. <laughs> I don't know. Next. I'm pumped up about this team for sure. Because because so. the next next series up is the Cubs, and that's their big thing. Like every game counts. Yeah. Who's next? I mean, that's that's all that matters to me. Day by day. That I love that mentality. Uh, that that short short kind of memory of what happened. Eat this play or that play. It's something that I try to teach my kid and and our kids in baseball. And I love that that they have that mentality and. You can see it how loose they are, you know. So it's great. It's it's great. This team is so exciting to watch, and it's very exciting to be a, a Wisconsin fan, sports fan for sure right now. Yeah, very uh, lucky. And uh, so far this season, the guys we really needed to to step up big. I mean, they've played so great as a team, but it's nice to see Christian Yelich looking mm-hmm. like an MVP again. Hater still looking like one of the most dominant pitchers in the game. The guys we really need to uh, come through and be our superstars are delivering. Yeah. So. Yeah, Moustakis signing is going to pay off, I feel. Yeah. Because he, he already has shown, I mean, Red Series, he wasn't as great, but that'll happen. So no. I, I just hope they get more production out of Aguilar. And, and uh, you kind of saw it against the against the Reds a little bit, but that that's a position I'm, I'm always kind of looking at as first base. It's a, like you always... You always uh, talk about it, Mike, where the, a lot of the power hitters come from that position, and a lot mm-hmm. of your hitting comes from that position. And we know that the Brewers are very strong in the outfield, but um, it concerns me if if that this continues where they only had, like, the big first half, him and Thames, and now they kind of drop off. But I, I think Aguilar can, can be that guy, but we'll see about Thames. I don't know. It seems like he's a lost cause so far. Yeah, way too many strikeouts. I don't know what they're gonna do about that. If they should, they might have to make a move, get someone like Spanchenberg up. Yeah. And so, what else do you guys feel about how how do you feel Mustakis is doing at second? He's had some some bad plays for sure. He's bobbled some, but then he makes diving plays too. So I think <laughs> it's a work in progress. Of course, he's he's really struggling with turning the double play. Yeah, like that mm-hmm. whole approach and the way he's. It's so just it's it looks such rough. a different angle than third base, and you're not used to covering the base. I'm sure, I'm sure he did it as a kid, but well, even the way like most second basemen and others, where they drag the foot across and like just mm-hmm. get out of the way, he just seems to be planting and spinning, and and he makes like the easy ones, and you can tell like he's really just trying to focus. But the what's weird is like you watch him in practice, even spring training, like they showed a couple of drills. He seemed to be doing a lot better, and they're working on just doing that turn, uh, getting it out quick. And just in games, you can just see kind of like the nerves are just that it's just not comfortable yet. <laughs> he needs more practice. The pitching staff's not allowing him in game practice. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. true. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. But yeah, you'd be interested to see if they actually turn to Shaw at all 
uh, for a little bit here and there. But I, I think they'll give him as much chance as possible to be there as long as they're winning games and he's not losing games for them. He's yeah. Then I think I think they'll give him every chance to be there. Everyday second baseman for sure. Well, so far what we've seen out of the pitching staff, what do we do with Jimmy Nelson when he's ready to go? Yeah, that's a tough decision. I I think you got to play it by ear for sure for this next month and kind of see how it goes. It seems like Davies is the likely guy out right now um, based off of what Peralta did this last game. And Burns, of course, we'll see him against the Cubs. And I think it's a play by ear, but uh, it's the one guy is going to have to be sent down. I guess, do you feel like, do you feel comfortable with Davies in the bullpen? Do you feel, who do you feel comfortable with? Like Corbin Burns, I, I, he was amazing. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough dis- decision for sure. I would feel better with Davies in the rotation and moving Woodruff or Burns to the bullpen. And we've seen them pitch out of the bullpen already. I don't know if I like the idea of we basically dumping our rotation from years past all into the pen, Chase Anderson, Junior Guerra, Zach Davies. So I don't know. What about the idea of Jimmy Nelson starting out in the bullpen? I wonder if they would maybe consider s- that. slowly. Yeah, it, it, I think they would consider it if they say Davies. I mean, he didn't have a bad outing. He was not bad on Monday. Um, I, I thought he pitched pretty well. He had one mistake, I, I think, and he gave up the two runs. But I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. If if this pitching staff continues to to get the five, six innings and, and strikeouts like they have been, I could see that happening for sure just to ease. I could see that <laughs> happening for sure just to <laughs> just to ease them back in. So, um, ESPN gets you every time. Yeah, they, they ruin Auto everything. Autoplay. That's see, like from our first episode. <laughs> like we're regressing. I think CBS is worse even there if like autoplay for everything. Every sports website's terrible. Yeah. All the videos that play on it, and then you scroll down, they get really small in the corner, and then it takes forever to close it because the ad doesn't let you close it or skip it. Mm. I I can't go on websites anymore. They ask for cookies. I don't have chocolate chip. They get mad at me. Cookies. <laughs> cookies are so good. But, yeah, they got the Cubs coming up. Brewers, um, Cubs bullpen is a disaster. You, Darvish, I'm glad we didn't sign him. <laughs> Yeah, you Darvish, um. <laughs> uh, he pitches tonight against the the Braves to cap off. They're trying to avoid getting swept in Atlanta. Ooh. But uh, we face Brewer killer Jose Quintana first. Oh, man. Well, they took care of him, though, in, in that, that in playing that game, game, right? Game 163. So. Yeah, but typically he's had, uh, he's had a he's lot of success. He's been dominant, dominant versus the, the Brewers, for it's sure. Quintana versus uh, Woodruff is game one, so... Yeah, the Brewers have done everything they can to try to make it make it entertaining for the for the fans. They they say every game counts, and then they they prohibited pregame sales. People had to be Wisconsin residents in order to do that to show proof they were going to get tickets. Nice. I don't know, and and what what stinks about it is like my my mother in law and that side of the family completely completely filled with Cubs fans, and she'll be at that first game. So I'm praying that they destroy and absolutely murder that Cubs team. Yeah, working in the southeast corner of Wisconsin, it's a lot of Cubs fans, so they can't mm-hmm. do anything to stop them from coming. Yeah. The only thing that stops them from coming is losing. 
So <laughs> they kind of go back to their, their bunkers and take off their gear and not show up anymore. Well, it's crazy about that rivalry. And I think it was unfortunate maybe fortunate depending on how you look at it but the idea when we moved from the american league to the national league i think a lot of fans at least here would make the brewers be their al team right and then they they kind of root for them and then the cubs would be the nl team but the moment that the brewers became nl that rivalry became polarized yeah it is interesting because before it was more the white Sox, but that didn't feel anything like this now the way things are now well south side i mean cubs are north side so i mean it's a little more proximity but I remember even growing up, I I watched Cubs games all the time because they'd be on during the day. Yeah, that was a, that was great as a kid. Is had oh afternoon baseball like every day. Yeah, because I mean Brewers weren't tele- or televised near as much, or not even close to what they are now. Definitely, and the Cubs couldn't play at night for a while there. So, yeah, it was a little different back then. Back in the day, you kids have it easy. Yeah, <laughs> tablets and smartphones and robot butlers doohickeys and gizmos and yeah it's hard to fathom that there in our lifetime there was a baseball stadium that did not have lights and a team could not play (laughs) at night yeah no they and they couldn't play at night because of uh city ordinance well only yeah they're only limited because of noise (laughs) yeah city ordinance in like neighborhood because they were in there they had weren't they worried too about uh traffic yep Uh, traffic jam they'd create every rush hour that but I think more foot traffic. I think a lot of people in the neighborhood didn't like the fact that there was not enough stuff around, so people were urinating in the people's lawns and cutting through and parking in their driveways, sounds, things like that. Sounds like Illinois. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. part so, for the course. I think in '88 was when they actually finally got it, but they were limited to a, what a handful of games or something like that, and then yeah. they finally. That seems all very baseball-like. Baseball would do that kind of stuff. It's all about tradition and yeah. The old time, the old timey way. It's, uh, they do not like stuff like bat flips. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, bat flips and stuff <laughs> like Harper, but um, it's kind of interesting to me because like everybody wears a baseball hat, right? Do they have to wear a baseball hat? Is it like mandatory part of the uniform? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, is it, the helmet. The baseball hat does nothing. I mean, sh- sh- shields the eyes a little bit from from a little the sun. bit. Yeah. I don't know. I, just, I, they, I like wearing. Otherwise, where are they going to rest their sunglasses? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the hat helps with. Oh, I have. <laughs> you do. I felt like I lost my sunglasses again. God, that was terrible. The hat helps. Also, eye black. Mythbusters tested that. It does help. It does. Yeah. Yeah. My old boss used to tell me a story. He was a big, big Cubs fan. He told me a story of when he was younger. Let's say ten, eleven years old, where they used to go. He'd ride to the subway to Wrigley and at the end of the game the grounds crew would let a group of kids come in they'd help clean clean the ballpark and then they get a ticket for the next game and he did that for the whole season went for free watched every home game free free child labor yeah so just clean the stadium a little bit and you get to go to games for free not bad they hand out a garbage garbage bag so for every garbage bag filled up you got you turned it in your garbage bag filled Mm. and then they got a ticket for the next game And, and rewind to now or fast forward to now. I don't know fast forward and rewind, but fast forward kid, to now. Kids don't know. They have no idea what that means. And I don't even want. My Always kid rewind to, your tapes. I don't even want my kid to go outside alone. Like <laughs> I'm afraid of everything. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. I, I, he told the story, and the most 
you're right. The most blasphemy thing I heard of was like, you rode the subway alone? Wait, you were six at this time? <laughs> <laughs> hey, those are good old days. Kids used to have a lot more independence. Uh, my mom's told me stories about when she was a kid, uh, like eight, ten years old. Her and her cousins would just go swimming in Lake Michigan unsupervised her their parents would just say get out of the house for a while go go for a swim <laughs> now just go into the rough waters of lake michigan no worries about no worries a, uh what are what they call riptide yeah <laughs> just carries you out you have no choice nope. you're just worried. going to not worried about that at all <laughs> i don't know I, I i remember seeing home alone from what age would that be like 10 11 and think about it now there's not a chance I'm trusting my kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, now you know all the stuff they're going to be into. and like. Well, I mean, if you look back at that, I remember just, well, I was home alone, and I, not many people came over. I just remember disappearing. I wouldn't, even come, I wouldn't be home most of the time. Like, we, mm-hmm. we talked about baseball last time where we go play that or be at somebody's house or just disappear for the whole day. Yeah, I used to just take off on my bike and not come back for like 10 hours. We'd even, we'd ride our bikes to uh, a lake that was five miles away. <laughs> Go fishing. Yeah. Dang, man. Yeah. Eagle Lake? Yeah. We wow. Used to, we used to ride That's our, impressive. We used to ride our That's bikes pretty far. down the, the highway <laughs> when we were like 10 years old. Jesus. Yeah, I remember doing that. I remember going to Bong, like take the bikes and go down there. Yeah. Go to Bong? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. The good thing about Eagle Lake was they had a soda machine that sold Surge, so we'd all bring oh, yeah. change with us and buy a bunch of those. Surge! <laughs> you guys have nothing to eat or drink all day except for Surge and go you know, fishing. We, we, we barely have the energy now to walk up Andy's stairs. <laughs> How did you guys have the energy to ride miles to, to go fishing and not catch fish, probably? <laughs> Oh, uh, we'd catch. It was Eagle Lake. You'd catch nothing but bluegill. Nothing but bluegill, yeah, yeah. that's true. And small bluegill, but it was still fun as a kid. Well, now I need, I've already had two cups of coffee today, and now I'm drinking some energy water. So <laughs> that's how I have the energy just to get through. I feel the- like but, my- well, the, the sad part is when we were younger, we call energy water Mountain Dew. Yeah. Now energy water is literally water with a little packet <laughs> in it. <laughs> a little packet of caffeine stuff yeah. in it. So before we wrap up, Brewers have, as mentioned before, the brutal, brutal road trip. Play like the West Coast teams and then back to the Cardinals, back to West Coast, back to Cardinals. Dodgers, it's, Cardinals, it's Dodgers, like, Cardinals, like Dodgers, Cardinals, Dodgers, Cardinals, Dodgers, Cardinals, Mushroom, Mushroom, but Dodgers, Cardinals, Dodgers, Cardinals, Dodgers. But we talked about how how, <laughs> how great this we talked, <laughs> It's you like should, you should be a Novocaine right more often. I don't know if I took my AM or PM medications. Pete's <laughs> winning the day. Oh man! But we talk about how hot this team is right now already, coming out of the gates with a really quick start. It's kind of proven because Yelich won NL Player of the Week. The week in the first three games. Yeah, <laughs> crushed it. Hey, beat out Goldschmidt. I'll take it. That's a yeah. They they both crushed. So that was uh, pretty impressive. What? Is amazing too about Yelich is the Reds, especially in the first game, they were pitching him everything on the inner half of the plate. You do not see that very often for hitters. They were afraid to pitch outside because he drives pitches away to left field so often. They were more worried about that, and he's got power to all fields. I just I love watching Yelich play. He's such a good player. Kind of reminds you of Braun. 
back in the day because Braun yeah. could hit it all over the place. Yeah. He played great defense. Um, yeah, he's five tool. Especially in this day and age of shifting now, it's nice to have a guy that you can't really shift for. It's hard to plan uh, where he's going to hit it. Uh, they were certainly shifting uh, Shaw and Grandal, and I had always said, why don't guys bunt against the shift more? They both did try it, and they bunted to the pitcher and mm. got thrown out. So maybe hey, that's it's why. It's worth a try, though. Yeah, I, I guess maybe they just don't feel that comfortable bunting of trying to get one down the third baseline is why you don't see that as much. But yeah, but we don't have to worry about Yelich. He's just gonna he's gonna hit no matter it, what. Speaking yeah. of the shift a little bit, it it's really interesting how the Brewers shift. They shift like pitch to pitch, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. O two count, like matters on count. It's crazy. I could see why I could see why people, especially those old school people, are like no more shifting. Yeah, but I mean it makes sense. It's, it's also interesting the way they use uh, Arcia because Mustakis oh. is you know so new to playing second that a lot of times they'll shift Arcia over to play in shallow right field, and they'll stick Mustakis as like the the one kid that has to play Rover. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know Yelich had a monster week with his hitting home run first four games. Keep the only other players that homer in each of their team's first four games of the year were Trevor Story in 2016, Chris Davis in 13, Nelson Cruz in 11, Mark McGuire in 98, and Willie Mays in 71. So he joins a pretty elite group. Yeah, yeah. Chris Davis, man, elite. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> Chris Davis fell off the planet. But no, yeah, wait, I did. Wait, all Ace, the rest of those guys. Ace awesome. Chris Davis or Orioles Chris Davis? It's Orioles Chris Davis, I'm pretty sure. Chris oh. with the C. Chris with a C. Okay, yeah, yeah Orioles. Yeah, Orioles. Okay. So. I thought you might be bashing former Brewer. No, right, no. But yeah, other than, other than him, they're all excellent hitters still, so, or were excellent hitters, so it's pretty awesome. That's why Yelich's daddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I was listening to the radio, and they were trying to figure out a nickname for, for Yelly because nobody wants to call him Yelly. They hate Yelly. I mean, daddy. That's what. That's what the Brewer subreddit calls him. So yeah, I think I think that needs to be brought out. Yeah, just just to those those shock jocks on the radio. Hey, he's called call him Daddy. Daddy's home. Hey, that's where <laughs> that's where stuff like uh, Bucks and Six came from, and even I don't know if Splash Mountain first came from there, but I know uh, Reddit Reddit really pushed it. So I know that was I think that was his nickname before he came. Okay, because he's a huge Disney guy and. I don't know. He started shooting threes, but I could be way off base. Well, yeah. Even if that might be the case, uh, I know Reddit was was really behind just making that popular because. I mean, that's a perfect name for him. It's a bunch. It's sports nerds like us who find that stuff amusing. Yeah. So now wrapping up, before we shove off, we have. A couple of things to address from from the world of the NFL and the Packers. So first, we just want to say good uh, good career to Josh Sutton. Announced his retirement following suit from TJ Lang yeah. and Jordy Nelson. And Jordy Nelson, yep. But the big elephant in the room, the one that Twitter and the sports world is abuzz, the Bleacher Report um, article regarding the AAF is back. <laughs> no, oh. no, AF is definitely dead. 
They have. Well, should we just touch on that for just a brief moment? Yeah, we should. They have ceased operations, leaving players to find their own way home. That's classy. <laughs> when they when they finally decided, yeah, enough's enough. It was pretty pretty much funded by a, a what was it a guy from the Carolina Carolina guy Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, hockey. Yeah, pretty much. I never trust a hockey owner. Yeah, just <laughs> it, was, it was funding most of the payroll for all the teams. And gave him like a $250 million line of credit and just said enough's enough. I'm losing money. (laughs) Yeah, Johnny Manziel went on Twitter and was telling players, you're not getting any more paychecks. Just keep that in mind. (laughs) Whatever money you have, like, that's it. Uh, So, yeah, hoping guys didn't get stranded in whatever city they're staying in. Yeah, so congratulations again, Johnny Manziel. Like, failure in the NFL, failure in Canada, and now you're a failure in the AAF. But hey, when Johnny Manziel has to be the voice of reason, something something bad's happening. Yeah, that that's true. yeah, no, that's true. It's that all about true. our Packers. So yeah, this is kind of a this is a hard article to read. Um, it's an article about how Eagles took down the Packers and what happened in Green Bay between Mike McCarthy and Rodgers. There's a lot of details that are unearthed in this in this article. Yeah, uh, saying that basically Rodgers didn't like McCarthy from the get-go, stemming from McCarthy having thought Alex Smith was a better quarterback than Rodgers in that draft. Yeah, it was funny because, like, as you mentioned, like the idea where they said, like, where did it... So you did a good job of entering in the article talking about where did it start, and you have to try to pinpoint, like, when did it happen? Was it... It happened clearly before the, the embarrassing loss to the to the Cardinals 2017 in December, but inevitably lost McCarthy his job. Then you can actually, he walks it back to week three of the 2017 season when there's infamous gif where you can see the words of Rodgers saying stupid effing call, but actually saying it out, Mm. um, directed right towards McCarthy. But then you walk it back even farther than that, like the NFC Championship game, which we are all, it's devastating even to talk about or even, Rewatch some of that stuff from uh, 2015 in the championship game against Seattle, where he references his uh, McCarthy coach with the uh, ferocity of a sloth, calling four four field goals um, from the one yard line. That didn't lose his walking back even from like 20, 2013 when they seemed to almost go to blows. We were at that game in Cincinnati. I don't remember yeah. seeing that per se, but that's never good. But they actually go keep walking back farther and farther. Even the 2011 almost perfect season that should have been rivaled almost to the 72 Dolphins. That was a failure of a of a of a season. It actually does go back stemming to the fact that he actually had a say in drafting Alex Smith in San Francisco and, and mm-hmm. verbally said that Alex Smith is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. And that never sat well from the moment that Mike McCarthy was announced as the next Packers coach. And then it was just a cover up from the Packers from then on. And there's players on record talking about how what they saw. And it's just, as a Packer fan, it makes you sick to kind of see, um, especially when you think about what could have been. Yeah. And one of the things I find interesting is some of this is, they quote, some players are quoted, some of it's anonymous sources, but uh, a lot of guys seem to be on Aaron's side in this. 
And there's even stories like McCarthy missing meetings and turning it over to assistant coaches to run meetings. Well, he get a massage in his office. Yeah, and it really does not paint McCarthy in a great light. Uh, uh, he would deny a lot of assistants' interviews that he, he really had this weird approach then to running the team and seemed kind of unapologetically like this is the way things are done and it's it's my call. And I was saying how much I still wanted McCarthy to go on and do well. But, yeah, now I'm starting to wonder, is, 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 are we going to feel a little bit Mike Sherman-like where we wasted good years? We did win a Super Bowl, but... But we won a Super Bowl with, with just sheer talent, and that's yeah. what kind of points out. I thought it was a good comparison. Ryan Grant's one of the players that are quoted, and he actually compared the way McCarthy used... Aaron Rodgers to the way mankind's using artificial intelligence, for example. You talk about how cerebral he is and how smart he is, and then you develop this AI. Um, but what happens when the AI now has capacity and ability to run without you? And now it's questioning, why do I even need you? So we, it's it's a delicate balance because we saw it in Indianapolis with like Manning, for example. Manning had a complete control at the, off at the offensive line, and you saw Aaron do that similarly. But... I think Manning still had a lot of say in the offense, but he also respected the coach, and they kind of gave him options and liberty. This was not that case. Like Aaron would just, yeah, he had more liberty, and and, and McCarthy gave him more control, but he did he just changed stuff because he thought he knew better. Mm -hmm. There's always two sides of the story, though. You know, I I don't I don't like hearing this because I don't want to hear players thinking that they're above coaches at all. And, and it's unfortunate. I mean, yeah, Mac maybe had a lot of issues. I mean, this team was really good um, in his years, and maybe it was because of Rodgers, and he masked a lot of lot of stuff. But um, the article came out with with Mac's side of the story too before this one came out too. So, um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting hearing all that. You know, it's it's disappointing. You you don't want to hear that from your team, but it, ha it probably happens a lot more than than we think. I, w I would think. Right. And not to say that Rodgers is completely innocent. I'm sure as competitive as he is, and he is a superstar quarterback, I'm sure, you know, his ego got pretty big, uh, even if there was some justified uh, animosity towards McCarthy. He might also have been someone who maybe wasn't always the easiest to coach. Yeah, because all of his family stuff's out there where he's he's pretty much doesn't talk to his family, right? I don't know if that's still a thing, but... It, it sounds like it. Uh, the guy, I don't know. It, it, he does hold grudges <laughs> forever. Yeah, like he he doesn't forget. Um, he'll he'll never be friends with Braun again. You know, stuff like that. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, he's a great player. The guy threw two interceptions last year. I mean, what do you what do you say? Well, how do how do you coach that guy? Like I, how does how does uh the new coach? You know coach him I, he's younger than he, they're about the same age right uh, or he's a little Lafleur's bit older like four Lafleur's years older four years older i don't know it's just going to be interesting to see how that that dynamic and how those young guys can can prove that they're i guess the smartest guy in the room because that's that's the case right now is rogers knows he's the smartest guy in the room right but rogers uh he did like alex van pelt uh quite a bit and he said he liked some of the ideas van pelt brought to the team right and then he was upset when they 
got rid of him and didn't even, I don't think they consulted with Aaron. So yeah, I think uh, that's where it kind of started to get more sour. I would, I would think, right? Yeah. Yeah. That seems like that was really the, the maybe the beginning point, of yeah. the end. Yeah. Cool. Oh, go ahead. I had to quote one of the parts of the article when they talk about uh, McCarthy. It says that the problem with McCarthy was that the talent drained. He failed to innovate. His scheme went stale, and he didn't adapt. As one personal man, uh, personnel man put it, McCarthy got full of his own juice. He believed his system was at t- was he believed in his system, not the Packers' absurd amount of talent, was the foundation for the offensive success. But raw rookies cannot bust free one on one like say a Jennings, Nelson, or Jones, and that's when tension started to grow. And even the fact that when you talk the plays that he had to adapt and, and extend longer, these some of these players actually quoted where division rivalries that have now seen these plays for seven years actually could call out pre-snap plays. They knew what the play was coming. So when he's talked about those quick, quick slants and stuff that were mm-hmm. worked so well, like they, they did that and, and Rodgers had to check out of it or he'd extend plays because those plays wouldn't work anymore because they see these defensive players jumping these routes and actually calling them at the line of scrimmage as like they were lining up because they knew what was coming. And uh, we would call it, as much football as we watch, <laughs> we would say the Packers are usually predictable as to what the, what they're going to do just based on formation. There'd be a lot of times, oh, look, we're lined up in our uh, run it up the middle uh, yeah, formation. And then there would be. Yeah. It just seems both guys could use a little bit. Of, I hope they both see this as an opportunity to be hum- like get humbled a little bit about yeah. their surroundings. One, yeah. McCarthy, you can't just run the same offense for a decade like that's mm-hmm. not going to happen you have to realize that the the league will adapt to the league like your opponents adapt and you need to do that as well but i hope rogers takes a little bit of humble pie from this whole thing and realizes you can't be above the coaching staff and the system and you have to it's a partnership it's not something like it's us versus them like you were on a team and having a road to success you have to play that way too. So I hope he, I hope he gives this yeah. coaching staff every opportunity and chance. And I, I think maybe getting him involved. I think you hear you, uh, like Lafleur actually talking about where he wants to work in a partnership and, and hoping if he has some stake in the game that he can hold himself accountable a little bit too. Yeah, I guess uh, in this situation, uh, regardless of whose fault certain things might be, it's just change is good all around. I think uh, it's just it's time for the Packers to get new coach in place, new GM, and McCarthy uh, continue his coaching career somewhere else, kind of get a fresh start with the new franchise, which I still think he will probably next offseason. So with that uplifting news, the draft is coming up soon, so hopefully. <laughs> a great way to end the podcast, right. guys. Jeez. <laughs> I think I'm right. It's, it's bad timing, I feel like. It's you hear you're hearing dirt on basically your your ex relationship and you're hoping that the new one is, is gonna be fine. Yeah. So hoping that they work it out. But I I, I am excited to see LaFleur actually get into some of these mini camps, I think start what, next week. Mm-hmm. Um they yeah. get to go they get to go have what a week early because of the new coaching change. Um so that's cool. So hopefully you can start to see some stories coming out of it. Um and then the draft coming up later yeah. in the month yeah there's it's time to it's all about change we added a bunch of free agents the draft's gonna be interesting with two first round picks so let's just let's be optimistic about the future i guess what's done is done uh we'll bring on our draft expert chris kuiper um he'll let us know everything we need to know about these first round picks he's broken down the tape he's he's ready to go <laughs> and we all know how how um accurate 
experts are. So mm-hmm. yeah, obviously you know, we're we're gonna get you a good expert in here. So. Yeah, we're top notch. Top notch. I mean, he's known as the Mel Kuyper of southeastern Wisconsin. So. <laughs> Easily. I don't know how anybody... I, I'm surprised he's coming on our podcast. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. He's leaving time for the little guys. All right. So with that, good job. Round two, 2.0. Yeah. Good thing, you know, speaking of practices, we got that practice podcast in yesterday. Yeah. Good so thing good. we were up until 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Practice good, good podcast. Warm-ups. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got sure. you got your your mouth settle down a little bit. It hurts. Mm-hmm. It's hurting really bad right now. Yeah, you're losing some Novocaine. Uh huh. I can tell even just when you when you talk, you smile. Your face is moving a little more. You don't like when my face moves more. It was pretty funny. It was pretty hilarious. <laughs> it was pretty funny before. <laughs> it's still right. it's still goofy. <laughs> All right, go Bucks, go Brewers. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Peace. Go wave. Go wave. Why go wave? Just adding another team. Why? Because there's more Wisconsin teams than Bucks and Brewers. Yeah, but I can't study anymore. This is the wave. Oh, man. The big wave. (laughs) I even know when the wave season is. I think it's over. Is the Admiral season still going? I have no idea. (laughs) Oh, man. This is... Thanks for crumpling your notes up again. Oh, we're done. Was there egg juice on it from last night? Oh. You need no, to pick no, it no, no. Garbage. Gross. You need to go to your, your, your right. Three. Yep. There you go. Uh, yep, know. you're good. Oh, maybe go back to the left. Four spots. Oh. Yep. There you go. Mike's going for the throw. And oh. Oh. Mike comes uh. up three feet short of the wastebasket. I'm no bango. Bango can do that. Are we still recording? I hope. I mean, we are. I hope. Well, I, I we hope don't know for. We officially don't know for recording until Andy uh, gives you that. Until, so. until I ruin it again. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Just become self-aware. You must destroy it. I've unfortunately never had to feel the pain of of dentist work because you have to have a cavity. That's amazing. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a unicorn when it comes to that. Let's hope the brewers can, uh, can, uh, is that a good transition? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Questionable to Return Sports Podcast. Send us your questions, read more about us, and more on our website, questionabletoreturn.com. Follow us on Twitter at Q2Return and Instagram at questionabletoreturn. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash questionable to return. Follow each of the guys on Twitter for Andy at Andy, the number nine M-A-N. Mike at Mike R. Daly and Pete at P. Cozy with a K, Junior J.R. Please consider leaving us a five-star review as well as sharing us with someone you know.